0: Welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast. It is so great to have you. Today's episode is brought to you by Zabo Apparel Company. You know the drill. They're Cleveland-based, veteran-owned. Whether you want something for one of our Cleveland teams, a Cleveland high school, the military, there is something there for everyone. Check them out in their Vermilion location or their online store, zaboapparel.com. Real excited for today's episode, we have Hayden Grove, who is the professional and college sports reporter for Cleveland.com, and also one of about five people who actually have access to training camp this year because of COVID. We get into what he's seeing, what the Browns are looking like, things we're expecting this year, and a whole lot more. Let's get into it. Here we go.
1: I still believe through the cold and through the heat. Crowds, and through the cheers,
0: oh i still believe la, 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 la. ladies and gentlemen we now welcome on cleveland.com sports reporter ohio state alumni mr hayden grove you can find him on the twitter machine at h underscore grove mr grove
2: welcome to dogs of war podcast well thank you for having me i um i'm certainly not the most distinguished guest that you guys have had you guys have had some pretty uh, big names out there so i am definitely a mohill on your mountain you're way too humble for us right now
0: (laughs) oh he's referring to baker mayfield and emily mayfield and phil dawson and also who's the other guy tim couch yeah yeah you guys are doing okay okay you guys are doing fine the real reason we wanted to talk to Hayden, we've actually been talking to Hayden about him coming on for like several months now. Um, just finally worked out. We're glad that uh, he was able to do it. But you're one of uh, five people that are allowed in Berea at the training camp right now? Probably like
2: 10 to 15. Five is good. Enough. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll take five. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's not a lot. And, uh, you know, it's um, it's been nice to be out there. It's It's been a very good change of pace to just being in my house like Tonight the Indians are playing. It's like you know. Sometimes you just have to stay at your house and and do Zoom, and it's it's unfortunate. But yeah, it's been nice to be out there and seeing football. And um, I mean, other than the distance that we are from the players, I mean, everything else is pretty standard in terms of practice. I mean, you know they they're doing everything pretty normally. Um, Obviously, there are you know a little bit different in the way of masks and and you know sanitizing and stuff like that. But things are pretty pretty much like they always have been. You better be keeping your distance from them. I don't want to hear about you breathing on the very, We are we are we are very far from any yeah. any of them. Don't all worry. The videos.
0: All the videos I've seen of reporters that are there are like you With guys are in that. the end zone, like a hundred
2: yards away. Every, right.
0: every video.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's no. I mean, yeah. I mean, and some. You know, sometimes the offense will go on a really far field. The defense will be on a close field. So it's kind of like they, they bounce back and forth. They have four fields there, so they bounce back and forth between 0-4. And, you know, depending on the field, we can be closer. But um, I think the first couple of days we were super far, which was annoying. But I think they're doing their best to, to you know, th- first of all, they're letting us in, which is not absolutely necessary, but it's, I think it's, a, you know, a privilege. And then, um, you know, they're trying to do their best to, to give us the view of what's happening. So I'm excited to get into that because we have a ton of
0: questions that not just our mm-hmm. listeners submitted, but that Raleigh and I have ourselves. But I want to back it up a little bit because I'm curious myself. I feel like a majority of Brown's Twitter follows you. To me, you kind of just kind of popped up out of nowhere like a couple of years ago as the Cleveland.com new Browns reporter. And then you came in full force. And now, you know, you're a lot of people's, you know, one of the go-to's for Brown stuff because obviously you're always in the press room. You're at training camp. So i just love to hear a little about your history. You know, how did you get into the the business, the Browns? All right.
2: (laughs) It's kind of a long story if you have time. We do. Um, I have big big quarantine plans tonight. Uh, Oh, yeah, exactly. So I was actually born and raised in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, My parents are from, my my mom is from Brecksville, um, born and raised in Brecksville, uh, went to Kent State. My dad is from Southeast Pennsylvania in a very small farm town, but moved to Cleveland to work at the Cleveland Clinic. So my family is all pretty much all in Cleveland. My I have two aunts, two uncles, three cousins. Um, my grandfather, who kind of raised me as a Cleveland sports fan growing up, because he was born and raised in, on uh, Addison Road in East Cleveland, and um, was a huge Browns fan when they were really good, and an Indians fan when they were really good. And um, so he just he kind of brainwashed me at a young age. But he did the same thing. So basically, I spent my whole life down there. Um, and then when college came about, I ended up uh, going to Ohio State because, again, brainwashed. And uh, <laughs> once I was there, once I was there, start, I started, you know, I got into the journalism school. And once, um, you know, a, a year or so went by and I actually had the opportunity. They had a job opening for um, the, the student television station at Ohio State to be a sports director or an assistant sports director, and, you know, I, I had done enough. I had an internship with um, – there's a company called you know, Indians Baseball Insider, and, um, you know, they do – now John Fanta is probably their guy. They've done a lot of work with, like, minor league stuff, and I – so I, like, interned with them, and, and was in a lot of minor league games. got experience doing minor league baseball. So they were – they thought, well, for a sophomore year in college, it's not bad, you know, in terms of experience. We'll, we'll give them a shot. So from there, I was the assistant sports director. Got to cover Ohio State football for two years. Got to cover Ohio State basketball for two years. And it just so happened to be, you know, the national championship run in the college football playoff. So I got to meet a lot of people and got to, you know, was just in a very, 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 very lucky to be in the right situation at the right time. Um, it was a terrible time for me personally, and we can get into that if you want. Um, I've got I've gone into my mental health issues in the past, um, but it was a good time to. Um, be in the business and to get to know people. And through there, I, you know, continued my internship with scout.com and, and kept working with, you know, the Cavs and the Indians and the Browns for them. And then once I got out of school, um, I came up back to Cleveland because my aunt and uncle lived here and I stayed with them. And uh, from there, I kept working and kept working and kept working and finally became like a beat guy for Scout for the Indians, Cavs and the Browns. And, um, which was strange because, like, I didn't really know how to work a beat at that time, and I still, it's still, you know, not something I'm super like great at. But um, Cleveland.com, Dave Campbell, the editor there, um, noticed some of my work that I did with the Indians and the Cavs and Ian, the Browns, and and he said, "Hey, we have an opening. We we don't know what we're going to do with you yet, um, you know, we, but we want, you know, we would love to have you on the staff." So from there, um, I did social media specifically only for the first like I think a year. And then, you know, as I continued, they let me kind of transfer into my, into a new position to where I would only do sports through social media. So like I'd be, you know, at all the games, all the practices, whatever. Um, but I would be, you know, promoting cleveland.com sports or social channels in that way. Cause obviously people rely on cleveland.com for a ton of things and sports certainly in social media is one of them. So um, I've just been lucky enough to be doing that since 2016 and yeah, I mean, you know, the Browns have been a constant source source of misery, pain, <laughs> news. Jo- I mean, fun stuff too. Um, so it's, I think, covering the Browns is definitely the most. Uh, it's uh, it's an emotional it's, it's, roller coaster. Yeah, it really is. Yeah.
0: The only reason my dad wanted an iPad for his birthday this year, he finally got into the the technology age. Yeah, he could read Cleveland dot com every morning. So everything he uses it for.
2: Well, but yeah, and, and a I'll, lot of that
0: like the, the the generation above us especially the plain dealer readers As that obviously that's a whole different story cleveland.com is a lifeline for a lot of people in cleveland
2: yeah yeah and i do i do want to say like that i mentioned you know i said that i met a lot of people but a lot of people in cleveland too um, you know took took me and and you know gave me opportunities and were great friends and great people i think the media in cleveland has been just way too nice to me and there, there are so many great people that you know i don't want to get into every name but like there's so many great people around um, you know, I worked with Tom Withers for the AP, um, you know, who does a lot, who does Indians, Browns, and Cavs. And he definitely showed me the ropes. Um, you know, there are a lot of people in the Indians, practice box: Zach Meisel, Chris uh, Nick Camino, like, and, the, and the, with the Browns, Mary Kay has been so helpful and thoughtful and nice, Scott Petrack. Um, I don't know. There's just so, and then there's just a ton of names, but I don't, I always want to bring them up because, um. They helped me so much throughout my journey. So, Joe Varden, uh, Dave McMenamin, Jason Lloyd. So, just want to give them a shout-out because they deserve it. Shout-out all those guys. And,
0: and what? Big fan of those last three that you said, especially when you know we had the, the resurgence of the Cavs. So, let me get this straight. You were in college working as the assistant sports director or sports director writing, producing things, right as Ohio State decides to win a national championship. Then yeah. you get to cover – the second LeBron era in Cleveland when we won a championship. Then you got to cover the Indians in that World Series run. I don't want to talk about that, but in like the 20-some games in a row. And then you got the Baker draft everything. So it sounds like you got to cover some incredible events in a period. Especially the fact that it's Cleveland sports is another miracle. But you were like perfect timing to be just in that great
2: dominoes. Maybe he got the good mojo. I I might have because, and let me tell you what, like, you're right. I'm very, like I said, I'm so lucky. But you're right. I mean, look at the time when I came around and it's like, it was unbelievable. Like that, especially like the 2014 to like 17, that was like the best time for Cleveland sports in a long time. But you have to remember too, that the Browns did go on 16 very soon after. Yeah, but they're just gearing up for the future. You need need, need to uh, just go Browns full time.
3: You, know, you bail on the other stuff, harness all that energy, and apply it to the glory that
2: we need to <laughs> I thought last, I thought last year was going to be it, and uh, yeah, you're just, you were just you are just off, of a off by a year. It's okay. I was, I let's, I think we might all be off by a year. I mean, when so you this said point, we'll see. When you said you did uh, minor league baseball, yep.
3: Did you ever, by chance? The answer, probably no. Did you ever get to like announce a
2: game, like pitch by pitch? Like, no, no, no. I did, I did, I did kind of like um, feature stories on you know different players. Like I, I kind of came around with Frankie and Giovanni Scheller were coming up. Um, yeah, um, kind of like Naquin, maybe a little bit Frazier. So kind of in that era, and it was kind of a good era because again the Indians had high picks, and those guys were you know going to be their future.
0: You brought up some names and the people that you wanted to give credit for um, yeah. for bringing you up around Cleveland, the Cleveland media. Yeah. You, and there's also a lot of people you didn't name that are, are do a very good job
2: as well. Yeah, it is, certainly.
0: It is no secret on this podcast that I am very against... You can say we, we do. We are very against, like, half... I don't want to say half, that's that's too much. A, a good amount of people that are in that press room after Browns games. Because in, really? in my opinion, I just feel like some of those people, I'm not going to name any names. One of them you did not name. Um... <laughs> No less about he's what's been, going he's on. Been
2: very, he's been very good to me, too, though. So I can't – I know who you're talking
0: about. So That mm-hmm. is incredible that everyone in Cleveland knows that right away. But yeah. I feel like a random – and I, I saw, I t- I've said this before in this podcast. I feel like you could pull a random fan out of the Muni lot after a four-hour bender, and that fan <laughs> would have more insight about what's going on inside the walls of Berea than that guy, for example. So – I guess sometimes and I, there's a lot of guys that I look forward to when they ask questions, like when they, when they point at you in the room and you get to ask questions, there's other guys that I, I and gals that ask good questions, but you got a handful of people. who just, they ask the same three things every single week. Do you Great. see, do you see people being, you know, do you see some of these other reporters being very polarizing
2: with the Cleveland fan base? I, yeah, I mean, I, I again, I, don't get into it because for me, it's more. They're more. It's more personal. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I, I, it, like that. I know them as a person to where, like, it's. I'm not trying to say like, oh, like, I'm. A, I just have a different viewpoint. Like, I, I know them like about their lives, about their kids, about you know what they're doing, and they're like where they're moving, and they're like. They're, they, they, you're like, referring I, to the players, right? No, I'm referring to the to the reporters. Okay. So, like, when you say. We'll just throw the name out there. When you say Tony Grossi, I know Tony Grossi yeah, as... You said it, not me. I I, I said it, because I knew who you are talking about. We might as well say it. I see Tony Grossi as a, a good guy, a good dad, um, great golfer, <laughs> uh, somebody who, you know, we talk about a lot of different things. And, like, I don't necessarily see him in the way that you guys do, because I'm not necessarily consuming his, what his you know sarcasm or whatever so i know that i get i understand where people are coming from with him and he's definitely polarizing and i understand it but uh, i'm not gonna be the I'm, i can't i don't come from that viewpoint so i can't really give you anything else other than that
0: for the record i i, I wasn't trying to go or bait you to say something bad about anyone in that room no but no and, and, but and I, and I, just, I really can't though no, and I, I I totally respect and understand. Like you know, these people. And again, my complaints about some of these people are just on their coverage of the team. It's not them. Like sure, uh, it's not them as people, as parents, any of that. Because I know that you have to you have to separate those things and compartmentalize sure. things one hundred percent. So it's never a personal thing that I have against any of these people. Or we have against any of these people. I guess that I was thing, just yeah. very I was just very just curious. I guess just to see because. I don't know. And maybe you have, maybe not some little spats here and there. I don't know. You've never said anything like super controversial, but you've got some people in that room that have said things or tweeted things or said things at a press conference that then just explodes on Twitter and gets viral and people just start attacking that reporter and whatnot. So I guess, how do you, how do you balance that fine line of reporting the news, but maybe not giving your full opinion on something, even if you want to
2: so badly, but you know it could just give a lot of backlash from fans. Sure. Um, I mean, I, like, growing like, when I was, at least from what I learned, you know, in journalism school, is that you just, that's what you do. You report the facts. I mean, yes, opinions are out there, and I have plenty of them. And I have plenty of terrible takes, too. Don't um, trust me on that one. Um, and I throw them out there, and I get pounded for them. But, like, I think that, I think sometimes it's, like, it's some, I sometimes, with with, I think sometimes it's actually out of frustration you know a lot of these guys have been around this team for so long and it's just like they they I understand that it's like it, they shouldn't be fans and they're not fans but like at the same time just watching terrible football year in and year out it can't be it can't I think they think sometimes that frustration blows over so maybe that's what happened with the whole Baker Mayfield thing I don't want to speculate um, but I think that's where you were going with that and like I, I, where do I fall? I mean, I just don't, I try to police myself and, you know, I, I'm also pretty easygoing. I don't don't really get into, I'm not really hard to, or I don't really have many problems with people. Um, and if, if I do, I definitely just try my best to stay away from it.
0: Damn, this guy, this guy's a good guy, Raleigh. I know. I,
3: trying to, uh, I guess I'm in the belief that there is a cultural reform that, we need around the Browns with the players, the fans, and the media. And I wish there were more guys like you that it seems like uh, don't take shots at our guys. Like, yeah, we know we're struggling. It's been struggling for 20 years. Not exactly sure why, but it's like, just ask a couple of softballs. Even if we get blown out by like 30 points. Hey,
1: that
2: that one touchdown pass was sick though, right? What went through your mind there? That's a lot of it too. I think kind of some of it is kind of, you know, and I do it too. Like it's easy. It's low hanging fruit. Like when things are so bad, it's low hanging fruit to just tweet out a bad stat or like, Oh God, Baker sucks or whatever. You know, it's just, it's low hanging fruit because it's just so common. If I, I want to go on and say that,
0: I don't think enough credit goes to Jim Donovan for putting up with what he's had to put up with for the last yeah. however many years. And that if I was Jim Donovan, I would have jumped off the 480 bridge a long <laughs> time ago. So <laughs> I, I jumped, jumped out of it. jumped out of the press box. Absolutely. So one, one more question before we get into the actual Brown stuff and training yeah, camp that sure. you're going to every day. Um, you know, the biggest thing out there today there's things going on on Twitter right now. Speaking of your school, your alma mater, Ohio state. Yeah. going on all over. Anytime you see a tweet from Shefty or, or, you know, Ian Rappaport, or any of those guys, it's per source, per source, per source, or this source at this source for someone like you, you know, a young guy that's coming into this profession, you know, you've been in it for a few years now. How difficult is it to get sources? Like, how do you start getting people, you know, cause you have, like you said, you're in a room, with people who have been doing it for, 30, 40 more years. So they've had, the right, which is why, which is why seconds. I don't have
2: any, right. Which is why I don't have any sources. I don't Because like it's that. very, it, it, it is hard. Well, I mean, okay, you can literally a source could be anything. It could be a waiter, or a restaurant who saw something, you know, it, I mean, that's when, but I think, yeah, I mean, Mary Kay works really hard to, to get, you know, the sources that she has. And um, they could be any, like, they're, they're I don't, I don't know. Cause obviously you don't reveal. So it's like, it's hard though. you got to build relationships and trust with people over years and years and years. And even then she still gets, I mean, she, I, I, I think what's so great about, you know, local people that get beat or get scoops is because like everything goes national, right? Everything right away goes national. It goes NFL network. It goes CBS sports. It goes, N- or it goes ESPN, whatever it does for the most part. So, um, you know I think that sometimes it's it just shows that how hard that she and a lot of others work when they get something that you know first before those people because again those they have the sources they have you know everything that's a lot of it thrown their way, but some of it kind of they that they you know have cultivated themselves so um it's it's very very difficult and becoming more and more difficult with you know the age of Twitter and the age of you know constant communication and the age of everybody being able to talk to everybody all the time so. It's very, very difficult, and there are a lot of people who do a good job. I'll be your source, Hayden Grove. Yeah. Oh, we'll be, yeah, we'll, you yeah. Yeah. Well, a well, specific that. meme account. We'll be your source. Yeah, sources. there you go. Perfect. We know
0: absolutely Perfect. nothing. You want to talk about people that don't know anything about going on in Berea, that's us. But, wow, great segue by me. Thank you. Yes, great segue so by you. you
2: are one of the handful. You said 10 or 15. I'm going with five. That's a, that's a great handful. I love That's a good term
0: yeah that that are allowed actually into training camp obviously with what's going on with covid there's no fans no no one's allowed in to watch them practice there's people a lot of people streaming it on facebook which is just hilarious in itself but how's it been so far walk us through like what's different like what are the precautions they're making you guys do tell us what
2: put us there so okay so for i mean for them it's pretty similar like i said it's uh you know, you have all of your equipment being sanitized before and after. Um, you have your, you know, your bags, your pads, your uh, sleds, everything. All your balls probably going to be sanitized. Um, I think they're now using like two. So, like they have um, like two. I think they're going through two different entrances. Like they have probably, they probably got made the locker room bigger inside. I haven't watched that building the Browns thing, which I which I kind of need to do. Um, so I Fair. think they're having like two separate two separate locker rooms. Um, one is kind of in the field house where it's kind of a weight room now. And maybe the weight room is still a locker room. I know like there are different meeting rooms. They used to be like offices and stuff. So it's just a much more spread out thing for them. But for us, basically, so we used to be able to go through the building and go to the media room and then go out to the field. Now we have to come in and then go all the way down. I don't know if you're firm, familiar with the but but Lugos Boulevard nope. is kind of, okay. So Lugos Boulevard, um, I'm trying to think, I think it, it runs east to west And then, so if you're facing south, that's where the building is. So we have to go straight where the Browns building is, and then all the way down to the left where, like, the player's lot is. We go down all the way there. We have to give them – we have to be screened um, by a Browns employee. about, Like, they give you the temperature check, and then we go through the – we get our credential if we're on the list. um, And they have individual credentials for each day. Usually they would give us just, like, a, a season pass or a training camp pass where you just don't have to worry about it but every day they have a numbered credential um, and it's specific, you know, to you for that day. And then, you know, then you go, so like, you know where the fans would sit like on the bleachers in, Mm -hmm. in training camp. So that, no no bleachers anymore. Um, But we kind of stand in that general area. Um, You know, it's, it's about about the size of a football field. So it's about a hundred yards by 20 yards. It's enough space to be distant. It's enough space to be safe and feel safe. And it's outside. Um, And then, you know, where, like I said, with the other field, like, so we're, we're the closest to that field, but, you know, all the other fields are so far. So what they've allowed us to do is they've allowed us, to, like, walk around the back to where that shed is that used to be, like, a team shop, right? Mm-hmm. And now we can kind of see team drills from there because there's no other way. To, you can't see past the guys on the sidelines. So it's really even no point to be out there. But otherwise, it's pretty much normal. I mean, you know, the players are doing their thing. Um you know, not really – there's no real social distancing when it comes to the players because, you know, obviously they're on each other every play. Um, I guess the huddles, the team huddles are a little bit spaced out. They're not as close as they used to be. Um, all the coaches are wearing masks. We're required to wear masks the entire time. Um, but other than that, it's been it's been pretty
0: normal. Uh, my next question was, are you guys wearing masks? So thank you for yeah. answering that. Yeah, we
2: all have to wear masks throughout.
0: I listened to Stefanski's press conference – A couple weeks ago and then Baker said it when he was on the podcast last week the Browns are going so above and beyond what the NFL is mandating for COVID in terms of precautions and rules and everything can you talk about what you're seeing I mean we heard about the lanyards they have to wear where if they get within six feet of someone with a lanyard it beeps. so they know not to get too close to somebody but they said they you know have done a lot to the inside facility um I guess talk us about what you've
2: seen that they're doing you know differently than before well that's one of the things is limiting us limiting our limiting our ability because you know they don't know where we've been they don't know you know so they're limiting very much our ability to be around the players our ability to be around the the um, around the t- the the facility in general so that's i think that's from what i can see that's pretty much all i can really tell you is because we don't you know again we used to be able, be very much in the building and would walk around and see players going to through meetings and whatever um, but now we are just very isolated. So I think that's a big step. I know that they have like tiers, like tier one, tier two, and tier three, tier one gets you access to like, I think at all places, tier two is like the field and maybe like w- like one of the rooms in the, in the facility. And then tier three is us kind of just outside only. Um, and then tier but, four is me and Raleigh talking to tier three. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Or like, yeah, there haven't been any, you know what? I'm surprised. I haven't seen one fan outside. Like, usually they're autograph seekers and stuff like that and not one. So um, maybe that's just because they probably wouldn't get an autograph, right? That's a good point. What has the player's availability been like
0: with all these restrictions? Are they still doing are you guys able to interview them, whoever you
2: want? Is there a couple that are allowed to every day? How does that work? So, yeah, so it's kind of like every day it's kind of like, you know, normal training camp would have been, you had your locker room session then you had your guys after practice. Then you have Stefanski. Um, this year it's, you get a couple of players before practice of their choosing. Um, Stefanski. I mean, we can request, obviously the players that, you know, are making an impact or whatever. And then Stefanski, um, is at like one thirty, and then practice starts at two twenty five. So a lot of media is doing it from their parking lot, like literally, like just sitting in the parking lot with their Zoom, like in their computer, because they don't have the time to like do their stuff that they need to do, and then get get to practice. So, um, and the Browns do have a facility like for like select beat reporters to be in, um, where it's like distanced um, tables and chairs and such. Um, but the Hayden House. No, not me. No, I am not allowed in there.
1: Yet,
3: not allowed. <laughs> now that you're on the podcast, you tell that. Throw that on your resume.
0: We're going to tier one, you baby. Promote <laughs> so, this man. Hey, so, when tier you one when you go into training camp, right now. Yeah. I don't know if you guys knew this or not. I've never been a, a journalist or a sports director or anything like that for for a major publication like you are. Mm-hmm. When you go in there, so you look at, there's going to be so many guys that are not even on this roster in a week, especially in a yep. month. You know, there's the first team guys, a lot of them aren't even going 100% or playing every day because of obvious reasons. Yep. What What are you looking for to report on? Like, is there a, a strategy you come in with saying, like, I'm looking for five things. And if I see one of these and I can report on, like, I want to talk about the rookies. Or I want to talk about what Baker looks like, like, you know what I mean? Like, what what are you going like, like, trying to find, like, how do you make a
2: story out of what's on that field? Sure. I mean, I think one, I think the first thing you have to look at is injuries. Obviously that's just like, that's the, that'd be your big news of the day. Like, cause you know, you, I think when you get to the practice and I don't necessarily do this because it's not necessarily my job to, and my job is kind of just to show the scene and like to do chats and to tell people what I've seen. So that's kind of my thing. But like say Mary Kay she, her job would be to go out there and to check every play, check which players are you know which players are out, which players are not, and basically it's just but by your eyes. You use your eyes to say, okay, you know, Miles is over there on the bike, or Jarvis is over there on the bike, and then you literally count the players. Like today, Jamie Gillen was missing, and nobody knew why, but they at least knew why they were missing. So then you can talk to the Browns, hey, why was Jamie Gillen missing? Um, why is um, the Scottish it, Hammer missing? Yeah, we don't know. I don't know. Oh, um, and then from there, like. You know, individual drills, you really can't really look for anything because it just, there's, you do it, they do it every day. They do it every day. There's like, and they all look great doing it because they're not going up against anybody. And like, unless somebody's like really like dropping every pass or like, you know, missing every block or fumbling the ball, like on a handoff every time, it's like, there's not much there. Or unless OBJ makes a fantastic one-handed catch, which definitely happens a lot, then you get that on video. Um, but I think the thing that you said, like, do you look for this, this, and this, I think, you know, if, sir, if there are people that are asking, Hey, you know, what do you think about this person? What do you think about this person? I tend to kind of like, okay, what do I, what do I think about Jedrick Wills? So I'm looking at Jedrick Wills for a couple of plays. It's just, it's literally impossible to see everybody on every play. So you t- you tend, you tend to look at, you know, s- specific guys, important guys, obviously Baker gets all the eyes all the time because he's a quarterback. So, you know, if he has a really bad day like he did today, people are going to mention it and notice it. Um, but then also, like, big plays. Like, if you see somebody make a nice catch or you see – you know, you just look for trends. Like, if, if Austin Hooper gets the ball three or four times and he can make some nice catches, or if, you know, Nick Chubb has a nice run or Cream Hunt, or, you know, they're a good play call. You just look for kind of normal things that you would look for in a game setting, and I think you would do that more during team and during seven-on-seven seven drills. Um, that's where I kind of tend to focus on more so than anything
0: one of the things that I was reading on Twitter and on you know, LeBron's Facebook today and things that people were writing is that they're saying the offense looked slow the first few days, wasn't meshing well, whatever they were saying about it. But I mean, is, is anyone even remotely surprised or worried after what we've been through the last several months? These guys haven't been together. So like, is anyone even blinking an eye at that or that's kind of expected? No.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's, I think, I think it's kind of expected not because Baker did come in in better shape and you're like, Hey, you know, now he's, he's ready to roll. Well, I think we forgot for a second that we've been through a global pandemic. He spent zero time in pads with anybody this off season. Um, you know, yes, you can throw to guys, but that's very different from being in pads and being, you know, with an entire offensive line, with an entire team facing a defense um, and to put them even further behind. You have a new quarterback coach in Alex Van Pelt, a new offensive coordinator, in Alex Van Pelt. You have a new coaching Kevin Zafanski who's putting in an entirely new scheme. And he's doing so over Zoom, so it's like <laughs> the, the chips are not stacked in their favor whatsoever. Um, so, I, so no, I don't think it's surprising that they look slow. I think it's actually more surprising how good the defenses look because I didn't expect. You know, I think I think we kind of going into the season, we all kind of had the opposite ideas that oh, you know, the Browns have a ton of weapons, but the defense isn't there. Well, the defenses has looked, I mean. Maybe it's maybe it's because the offense isn't very good right now, but defense I mean, they have a ton of energy and they're flying around.
3: We posted up a little questionnaire on the Instagram machine, uh, to ask our listeners, followers, what have you, to put together some questions that they're hoping you can answer. We're hoping sure you can answer. Uh, we'll start off with will Miles Garrett be defensive player of the year?
2: Um <laughs> Man, right off the bat, like a prediction question. Um, I know. Uh, I thought that one was funny. Um, I, well, he hasn't been on the field yet, so that's going to be my. I, I don't. I haven't seen any difference from him last year. I think my problem with Miles is that like he would get a sack, but it really wouldn't be in like a big situation. So they paid him a lot of money. They have a lot of faith in him. Um, I'm going to say no. He won't be the defensive player of the year because I just think that it's really hard to do and the odds are probably stacked against him. But I think he should uh, – you know, he got paid. He should be motivated, especially after everything that happened with the helmet, and, um, you know, he's got to work to put that in the rear view. Uh, more of a softball. What was,
3: to this point, the biggest surprise you've seen in camp so far?
2: Like I said, the defense. Like, I, B.J. Goodson, I didn't I, – I knew they signed him. I didn't know much about him. Um, but he's come in, and he has been – the vocal, very vocal leader on that defense. He was chirping at guys all day today. He was like yelling at the offensive linemen for you know doing things that could potentially hurt defenses. And like anytime they make a stop, anytime they make a big play, anytime they like do anything well, he's like giving it to his teammates. Like yeah, like let's go. And um, you know he's trying. He's been really good for guys like Sione Takitaki, who has had a good camp thus far, just from what I've seen in, in team drills. So. Um, BJ Goodson has been a, a big surprise. I think the defensive line um, has a lot of potential. They've been without Larry Ogunjobi and we've been without Miles, but I think Vernon and Sheldon have done a nice job. And I'll give you another name um, Porter Gustin. Porter Gustin has been good, 97. I, I, he's kind of an unknown roster guy, but he's a defensive end. He's been really good. Sweet. I want to sneak one in real quick.
0: Did you see the fight between Peoples Jones? Yeah, I did.
2: And, uh, and I'm blanking and like, on who he fought. Kevin Johnson. Yeah. And he yes. kinda like Kevin Kevin Johnson like had his hands up like he was actually ready to spar. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that's about. I don't know I don't know much about Donovan Peoples Jones yet. Um, but he's they were they did get into it really early. It's usually usually like the bets kind of more so than the rookies, but hey,
0: that up I thought throwing up a Michigan guy's name to an Ohio State guy Ohio State guy
2: would be You're well, talking to the wrong I see one. Your- You're talking to the wrong one. I don't I'm I'm not a I'm not an anti-mish guy for most of the time.
0: I'm coming out. For
2: most of the time. I'm really not either, to be honest. What are your expectations for Baker so far this season? Well, like I said, he has not looked good thus far. He's been really inaccurate. He doesn't look very comfortable with making decisions right now. Um, But I think my expectations for Baker, I just want him to – I think my expectation for Baker is – half of it has already been done where he's coming to camp looking better. I think the other half of my expectation for Baker is I hope he spends more time in the film room. I think that that was his biggest, um, even more so maybe than his physical, um, you know, work ethic. I think his. I don't think he spent a ton of time or the time that he needed to getting ready for defenses. Cause sometimes he just looked baffled and maybe that could have been on coaching. Certainly could have been on coaching. Um, but he just didn't appear to know what was coming, which I think led to a lot of his interceptions. So I, I, my expectation for Baker this year is that he's much more prepared when it comes to reading defenses. It's that he's in better shape, and it's that he doesn't turn the ball over as much. And I think all those things can certainly happen. Because I think I still think he's going to throw in the 20s and touchdowns. could be even more if he has a really good year. Um, but he's got to cut down the picks, and he's got to be more prepared. Have you noticed anything? Uh, people have been talking about the baker Hooper connection. Has that been visible from your... Well, yeah, it has been, and uh, they're spending more time together because, again, they just, as I said, there's been a whole offseason with no pads, and, you know, so Austin Hooper and him, I think they're trying to get as closely connected as possible because now Austin's got to get connected to the offense, to the offensive line, to, you know, to everything. So I think that they do spend an an inordinate amount of time together because they need to, Um, you know, at least OBJ and Jarvis had last year with them. Um, but definitely this year, it's got to be Austin Hooper that um, Baker spends a ton of time with because they have no connection right now, or they have had no previous connection. Why is the
3: Scottish Hammer such an underrated porn name?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know we gotta we gotta, we gotta find him first. We gotta find Suche. him. Touche. <laughs> that's that's a, yeah. We gotta figure out where he is. Yeah. you're right. I mean, of all of his nicknames, that's got to be up there. And will you start a segment for?
3: St- Cleveland.com called Hammer Watch, where you give updates
2: only on the Scottish Hammer. I could do that once yes. he's found. Yes, once we find him, I can do that because honestly, during practice, I mean, those guys are very important, but they do not do a whole lot. They throw it around, they run around like Austin Seibert and um, and uh, Charlie Hewlett like throw passes and run routes to each other. Like they do spend like probably forty five minutes to an hour kicking and stuff, but like. It's not a ton. Do You have any sort of insider update
3: on Chubb and the possible connect? Uh, excuse me, the possible concussion
2: he may have received. Nope. I mean, they keep. I mean, they really do keep the concussion stuff, especially close to the vest, because that's you know that's something that is potentially life altering. Um, but so no, I don't. And, and then Nick Chubb again. If any, if you're going to get any information on Nick Chubb, God bless you, because that dude does not say a word, will not say a word to anyone. So good luck with Nick Chubb. Now now I don't feel as bad for him not coming on the podcast, but that makes sense. Oh yeah, no, 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 he would not, (laughs) it's not, it's it's not you. I trust like, okay, I'll tell you this. Um, There was a point last year where I, where anytime Nick Chubb went to the podium, it was just like a dread inside of me. Like he's not going to say a word. Like, which is fine. It's, he's a good dude. He's a good worker. He's a hard worker. He's a great running back. Like I have no problems with him whatsoever. But like for my job, it just doesn't help me. <laughs> so like, oh, good if you don't help me, don't help. Me. That's fine. You don't. That's not your job is to help me. But also, my job, I guess, isn't to like be like hang on every word that you say. So like, we come to an understanding. Like, okay, Nick Chubb, he's there for like two minutes, and that's it. He doesn't need to say much. He lets it, which is what I love about him. He lets his, uh, he lets his, uh, he lets his game do the talking. Yeah,
3: can you tell compared to different years, the general? How do you say it? Energy given off from these practices, like are these guys
2: motivated? Are they pumped up? Are they kind of down just because of COVID? Like, what's the um. line? I think again. I think the defensive vibe is better than I've ever seen it. Just like the 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 amount of energy. Um, but like, but it's training camp, right? Like we can't. I mean, we've come into we've seen training last year. Training camp there was so much energy every day just because the fans were so into it and like it was just pandemonium every day. But this year with no fans, it's like maybe I'm just over compensating because you know there's no fans. So I I honestly can't tell you because every year is so hyped up during training camp and then we get to the regular season and we see what we see.
0: I'm going to sneak this in here. It was reported on Twitter that Jamie Gillian mispracticed because he was sick. So he just stayed home with an illness. Okay. I'll so yeah, mean. that's
2: fair. Yeah, that's not a... I mean, that's... Hopefully it's not related, yeah. But he's already, had, he's already... I think he's already tested positive like on two different occasions. So like... They said it was a false positive last time, but I don't know. Hopefully he's okay. Yeah, I think they would have had to report it reported if if he was if he tested positive with COVID, right? I don't think you can hide that for long. Last yeah. last of the
3: fans submitted and possibly likely too small of a sample size to act, answer accurately. Pretty much for all of these questions since we are a couple totally, weeks into but the, I'm training, kind of
2: try my best. Um, it is training, and listen, it is training camp again. Every training camp, it's like, oh, Browns number one defense, office, yeah, and then it's like. Okay, here's what it actually
3: is. Any common fan, when they listen to like a press conference, they're just probably looking at different highlights or uh, captions of an article of what the head coach or whoever may have said. You're obviously there for the whole thing. You're asking the questions. Uh, what do you think of
2: Stefanski's... Uh, how are you feeling about him as our skipper? Freddie Kitchens initially was like the king of the press conference, right? So it's... I think it's very overrated, like, looking at, oh, how good is the fans get a press conference? How does he handle that? You know, Bill Belichick is one of the worst, but he's the best coach in the NFL, so, like, it really doesn't matter. But I think, again, I, from, what, from what I can tell from what, having been around him, he's a very smart guy. He's very – he's kind of very down-to-earth. Um, I don't think he uses his intelligence to, like, loom over you, say, like, oh, I'm – he's kind of like a guy's guy, just, you know, like a friend, a friendly guy, and, um, you know, yes, so probably Andrew Barry will use some big words sometimes, but like. I think they really do work well together, and I think for the first time since since I've been there, I, there doesn't seem to be any, you know, issues at all between a head coach and a GM or a, you know, coach and his coaches. Um, so I think he's – I think generally I think he's been okay, but, again, it's not going to matter till they, they put on the pads and, and they get to going at First Energy Stadium. Um, but, yeah, the, the guys seem to like him. He doesn't see – he's not super fiery by any stretch, but um, he wants to be efficient. Um, He wants things to go fast. He wants to move fast. He wants to practice fast. Um, I I was thinking about this. Gotcha. I was thinking about this earlier this week. With COVID
3: and everything going on, it's literally affecting every industry, everyone in this earth, one way or another. Every individual. And There's got to be a level of patience that the ownership's going to give Stefanski. He's literally... Walking into a new team during a new era of football,
2: and we're in week two of actually practicing. It's like I—I think Jimmy Haslam said it in his press conference the other day. I think he said like, "Yeah, well, you know, we knew it was going to be a challenge with a new head coach and new GM. Well, we we certainly didn't anticipate a a global pandemic coming in and help being part of that." So that's Cleveland Browns. That's That's Cleveland Browns. Yeah, that's—I mean, that's part of the. That's of course, of course, you have to like have some and i think you have to have patience in general again if you you brought in these two guys at the same time you're, you're gonna you're gonna blow this thing up again after one year no i think you gotta give it patience. you gotta you have to give it a couple of years because what's the point if you bring these two guys in you have another bad year and it's it's just you're gonna be back at square one next year if you do the same thing over again so certainly with and especially with the global pandemic yes absolutely i think Again, I think it, it, it does tell, you know, it, it is telling that the Browns have seemingly been good with coronavirus and haven't had any issues. Um, I think they're running a tight ship, and I think that goes back to Coach Sapansky as well. You talked about putting the pads on, so when it really
0: matters, how big and how important is the at Baltimore Ravens week one
2: game? The tone setter. That's what it is. It's not overly important. Um, you can lose that game, and you can play well, and you can be 0 1 and you won't ruin your season. But if you win that game and you play well, then you already have a, you know, you beat a divisional opponent, you go into a short week with a good win under your belt against the, you know, going against the rookie quarterback in your backyard, be it with fans or without, probably without. Um, I think it's big, it's, it's bigger, I think it's bigger if they win. Because, again, I, if, you, if you lose, you, they're one of the better teams in the FC North, you're playing at home. You just came off a global pandemic. Unless you play horribly and lose, then that's really bad. Um, but I think it's bigger if they win because, like I said, that could give you a lot of momentum going into, like I said, a short week against Cincinnati who, you know, you should be better than. Um, and then you can get out to a 2-0 start instead of an 0-2 start. And um, that'll certainly get you much closer to where you want to be.
0: What is the update, uh, if any, update on Mac Wilson and if he goes down with what they're saying, a possibility of season-ending surgery, what do we do for
2: linebacker? Yeah, I mean, it looked li- it looked like I didn't see it. I saw him go down live, but I didn't see like exactly. It's like we're very far away, so I didn't see it. Um, but I did see the replay, and it didn't like his leg went like that. And like I don't think it's supposed to go that way.
1: Mm-hmm. From all the
2: uh, Instagram updates that he had that he's had today, he's posted on his Instagram. He's posted on his Twitter like, "I'll be back. I'll be back." God, you know. Got as a plan, it doesn't seem like it's going to be any good. So um, it's, it's, and what, okay, so you said, what What do they do, linebacker? Clay Matthews? They draft, like, what do we do? Uh, everybody wants Clay Matthews just because he was, a. He, you know, I get it. I love the nostalgia factor. I understand uh-huh. it. Nobody loves their own like Cleveland. I get that. I understand that. Trust me, I understand that. Nobody will love a hometown story like the Cleveland fans do. But, I mean, there's a reason probably that Clay Matthews isn't on this team. You brought in an edge rusher and Adrian Claiborne. Um, you know, if you really want to really boost things up, go get Jadavian Clowney. I mean, you, you know, that's my say from it. but Not a terrible um, option. Yeah, exactly. So, Clayman, he just doesn't do it. I mean, he does a lot for me in the nostalgia department. Sure, it'd be great to see number 57 run around again. But as a player, I, he's definitely not what he once was. And, you know, I think he had like one sack in his last eight games with the Rams. So. Have you seen
0: much of Case Keenum yet? And yeah. What does that dynamic look like between? I mean, it's just I imagine coming off. He's been a starting quarterback in the league for many games, and I was coming in yeah. as a backup. What's he been looking like? Has he been talking to you guys at all? Um, well, actually,
2: uh, he did. He did have his uh, press conference today. I did miss that one, um, but again, he basically, from what I've seen of practice, yeah, he's been. I mean, he, again, he's working against the second team defense. He's working with the second team offense. Um, so it's not like. You know, I'm going to take too much stock into what Case Keenum is doing, but I think it's a good—he's a good bouncing or a backboard for Baker because again, he's been in the Kevin Stefanski offense. He's been around the league. They're both Texas guys. You know, he's, he knows—he knows things that Baker Mayfield didn't get from Garrett Gilbert last year. You know, I think—I think that was part of the problem too last year is that you know uh, Drew Sand went down and wasn't really around, um, maybe in the meeting room here or there, but like wasn't like in the trenches with Baker. Whereas now he's got a guy, okay, that has been around the league, has started, has been successful, and was successful with Kevin Sapansky. Um, so that's going to help, too. I've seen them talking constantly. And then, yeah, he's made some nice throws uh, during camp, but not going to put too much into that. He's also made some not-so-nice throws. I think, again, uh, three picks in the first day. So well, That's just sick that defense. It. That's just sick defense. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. It's just Sheldrick Redwine coming out and being an absolute stud, right? I do have a personal question. Yeah. Payton. What kind of golf game do you bring to the table? Not a very good one. I love playing, I do, but not a very good, like, it's like, my short game is horrible. My putting is not very good at all. My driving is like so, it's so inconsistent. Like if I, if I get a hold of one, I can hit it. But like, it's. I just gotta figure, I, I gotta play, 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 play. I probably need a new set of clubs that are like more tailored to me. Um, Cause I just kind of bought the ones that I could find. Um, but I do enjoy, I love going out there and playing. There's no doubt. It's, it's so fun. I could play probably 36 in a day and be very content. Oh yeah.
3: What I, about you? Are you good? Well, as it turns out, I am. I used to oh, suck. okay. You are. But this year, <laughs> I dropped a 78 a couple
0: of
2: weeks there ago. There you go.
0: That's awesome. good. Apparently I'm incredible at golf now. Yeah, you should have seen him on the back nine. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh yeah. Huge shout out to A
2: real quick. Oh yeah! What sure. an unbelievable fight! The greatest of all time, the goat. But also, I gotta, I gotta say this though about him. He it's his birthday. Happy birthday to him! And he's working. And, and, and yeah, he's back in Independence at the fire. He's station at the firehouse. working. What? Two days after defending his W world uh, heavyweight title, and he's back working at the fire station. Like that. Uh, that kid. That guy is That's pretty textbook pretty cool. Cleveland.
0: It's textbook yeah. Cleveland. So before we let you go, like I said, back to your normal life in the Indians game, which I'm going to be racing to as well here once we hang up. Anything that you wanted to talk about or you want to talk about but you just can't because you guys have so many rules and professionalism things. Like, there's no rules here. It's a podcast. Are we missing anything? Like, can we get you to, like, say something wild so, like, we'll go flashing on the bottom of ESPN? Like, Hayden Grove said this on the Dogs War podcast. No. Like and
2: subscribe. Can't do it. Can't do it. No, because yeah. I got to, I, so what one of the rules for me being on a podcast for club.com is I got to, I got to kind of pimp our stuff. So I got to pimp, like we have a, we have a football insider. You can sign up for um, texts and analysis that you get before Twitter from Mary Kay, Dan, Dan Lobby, Ellis Williams, and myself. And uh, I think Doug as well. So that's three ninety nine a month. And um, you get, again, you get all the inside info before anybody on Twitter or anything. And then you got 14 day free trial too. So you can just try it out for free.
0: Well, that was my next question is you have the mic to plug or say anything you want. So what would it be
2: then? That's, that's it. That's, that's what I got to do. Other than that. No. And that's in your bio on Twitter. I saw that. Yes, it is in my bio. And um, yeah, that's for my, so I have one personally, and then you can get the one with everybody for on cleveland.com. So go check it out. Football Insider. And they, again, Mary Kay is as hard a worker as anyone. And I can't. I can't recommend her stuff enough.
0: So Mary Kay, Hayden, they're one of or two of the five people out in the training camp. So I, I don't know why you've got five. Yeah, I don't know why you yeah i do not know why you would not subscribe to that, because it's really your only insight and that's why we we're so very lucky. Fortunately, Hayden came on here tonight. Thank you for giving us your perspective. Uh, it was great to hear about what's going on behind the walls of
2: Berea and hopefully we can do it again here soon. Yeah, man. Let me know and uh, tell Baker and Emily I say hello. I see Emily. Emily and uh, we do the same cycling class a lot. So, ooh. I shout out to Emily. Yeah, really can't say anything about Baker now. It's bad. No, well, I yeah, Listen, if he had a bad day, he had a bad day. But no, I can, I'm not going to go at him personally. No, no, I say because you got to be around the wife. That's just ooh. Fun. Oh yeah, she's so. I mean, you guys know she's wonderful. She's so kind and like i I'm a big fan of hers. Oh yeah. They're the nicest people in the world. Shout out. to yeah. An entire family. Yeah. I met her sister too. She's, she's really nice. And she's yeah, like, she's like one of my best friends now. She's
3: got a yeah.
0: podcast. And we, this is awesome. We, can we didn't even tell Hayden to say any of this. This is
2: right off the cuff. Again. No, no. Everything. Yeah. They are no, great people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I actually, so this is kind of ra- random and weird, but, um, I found out something called the, I, I never, there, I was looking like, I don't, I must've been on Twitter or something. And there was something called a runza and, and I was like, what the hell is this? And it's like a, it's like a Nebraska thing. It's like a, a, a beef pie with like cheese in it. It looks so good. And it's like only made in Nebraska. That's their thing. So I asked her cause she's from, she's from Omaha. Yeah. And I was like, do you have like a recipe? And she like gave me a recipe for it. I haven't made it yet. Shout out to me for being done and not making it, but I want to try it. Go look up a runza, R-U-N-Z-A. I mean, it sounds like it checks all the boxes for me. Yeah, exactly. Carbs, fat. There's no better way to go out than ending
0: it with a runza. So y'all heard, Mr. Grove again. That's h underscore Grove on Twitter. Got it right that time. Props to me. Well, thanks you for coming on. Really appreciate it, and I'll
2: see you again soon. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate you. Take care.
0: Once again, thank you, Hayden, for coming on the Dogs of War podcast. Highly recommend following him on Twitter and Instagram. He does a great job of keeping everyone very much up to date on all things Browns and really Cleveland in general. That does it for Rally and I for this week. We'll be back next week. Plenty more fun interviews lined up for the rest of this preseason and season. Going to take you out a new way with the song of the week. This week, it is by the band Camino. Good night, Cleveland. <laughs>